All right, well, we get to talk about criticism, and I don't think anybody really likes to hear negative criticism, the kind that tears you down and makes you feel really bad about yourself, because if you hear criticism from the same people all the time, and it's not very helpful, pretty soon you find that they're unreasonable, and you just shut them out. So constant criticism isn't helpful, but constructive criticism is. And even if the criticism isn't doesn't appear to be constructive or helpful, maybe you could listen to it anyway and see if there is any type of truth in it. If there is any type of misunderstanding, if there's something that you've done to offend somebody that you didn't realize that you did. But we need to learn to listen to criticism. And every time I walk down the hallway in my house, I'm always reminded of when somebody suggested that I do something and I didn't, and now I have to live with it the rest of my life. It's a very tragic thing. It was a beautiful day. Couldn't have been any more beautiful because I was walking my daughter down the aisle to get married, which was interesting too because I was also the pastor. So um, anyway, so I, I brought her down and then I also uh, got to marry her and there's lots of pictures of it and everything and she looks perfect in every way. About 15 minutes before that, my wife said you should button up the top of your shirt because your tie. Yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm marrying my daughter, you know, and I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking of all the people in the world to marry her to. I'm marrying her to this guy here. I sure hope it turns out. I could stop this. I could, I could just not do this. And I, I, got all, I have all these thoughts going through my mind, right? But there was this, it wasn't really a criticism, but it was a little, little word that said, Chris, probably want to fix your tie. I'm like, no, no, no. And I didn't. And I don't know if people think that pastors are above reproach and they don't want to say anything, but I wish somebody would have just stopped me and said, dude, fix your tie. So I know you wear jeans on Sunday, but I don't think you do that for a wedding. So all the wedding fixtures, my, top, my shirt's like this and my tie's way over here. And I would give anything to have that one professionally photoshopped. So if somebody wants to fix that picture for me, that would be great. Now, really, that's a minor thing on one hand, but it's something that I have to live with, and it's totally my fault. Um, and my daughter says it doesn't matter that she doesn't feel bad, even though she's walking out right now. I am so sorry to offend you, Jessica. <laughs> anyway, the thing is, is that sometimes people will speak truth into your life that you really need to hear and make a change, and it will benefit you. Sometimes you will pay a ton of money for a consultant to come in and tell you how to do something better or to tell you what you're doing wrong so that you can be successful in life. People are paying money to people to be life coaches. People that want to be successful in sports bring in professional coaches that basically tear them down and build them back up. Actually, I think that's one of the strategies for training at Marines. But this whole idea of criticism and learning to listen to it can change our lives and make us better for it. And in the limited amount of time that we have, we really need to think about this. Remember back in... 1986, the space shuttle launched on January 28, 1986. The space shuttle Challenger and its crew embarked on a mission to broaden educational horizons and promote the advancement of scientific knowledge. The most outstanding objective of the Challenger 5 mission was for crew member and teacher Krista McAuliffe to present educational lessons from space. The mission did present a lesson, but not the one we expected. Just 75 seconds after liftoff, tragedy struck. Before, before a watching world, the, shut, the shuttle suddenly exploded overhead. Disintegrating the cabin along with its crew, the debris of metal, blood, and bones plummeted to the earth, and along with it, our nation's glory. What had gone wrong? What was the pressing question everyone asked? Why? Why did this happen? 
And as a team of researchers examined the wreckage, the specific cause was soon discovered. The problem was with the O-rings, a circular rubber seal, which had been designed to fit snugly into the joints of the booster engine sections. Evidently, the O-rings had become defective under adverse conditions, and the resulting mechanical failure led to the tragedy. That was the whole story, or so many thought, but then the truth came out. The New York Times put it frankly, the ultimate cause of the space shuttle disaster was pride. A group of top-level managers failed to listen carefully to the warnings, advice, and criticisms given by those beneath them in the chain of command. Those in lower management were concerned about the operational reliability of certain parts of the booster engine when under conditions of abnormal stress, they expressed specific concerns about the reliability of the O-rings in unusually cold temperatures, but the upper management did not listen. Just think, heeding this criticism could have saved seven human lives. And so, that's tragic, and that's terrible, and our pride, our pride can be exceedingly expensive. Maybe you're not getting ahead in your business, or your education, or your life, or a relationship, because you're not listening to little kind words, advice, maybe criticisms about things that you do, like fix your tie, or don't be rude. Or give somebody else another op- give somebody else an opportunity to talk to in the conversation. I'm not naming specific criticisms about me, by the way, when I say those, making those up. Last week, though, somebody came to visit, and at the back door, she said, "You're freaking me out. Do you know all my business?" I gave an illustration about a telephone operator. I used to be a telephone operator in Boston, and God's been speaking to me about not using God's name in vain. I'm like, wow. Nobody told me about you, but God used that time, so that was good. But anyway, pride can be exceedingly expensive, just like here. So what is criticism? Criticism is when another person judges you by declaring that you have fallen short of a particular standard. So, in love, when we offer certain criticism, what we hope is that person will change. That that person will be glad that we cared enough to share the information of what they need to do. Now, it could be God's standard or man's standard, but you've fallen short of a particular standard. So a key step is to recognize that sometimes you, yourself, you hold yourself up as an idol and you think, oh no, don't don't talk to me about this. No, no, I, I see myself as perfect in every way I see myself is, I've got it all together. So if there's a problem, it's got to be a problem with you. But no, because we're all imperfect. I mean, if you really think about the things that you do and who you are and things, you don't have to be convinced that you're imperfect. But our natural response to criticism is to defend ourselves, to make excuses, to say, well, yeah, I might have made a little mistake, but look at this bigger mistake this person made. Or I might have been a little to blame in this whole conflict, but look at this person's part. In the whole difficulty of accepting criticism, we often put ourselves way exalted high and we we just don't want to hear it. And there are some things that we're criticized about that we can't change. You know, somebody says, oh, you're too tall. Well, born that way. Or I'm, you're not tall enough. Or what people can say things that you can't necessarily change and people can talk to you about things that you can change. You know, Proverbs says a lot about the wisdom of being corrected. Proverbs 12:15 says the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. And again, many of us would love to have somebody in our life godly and wise 
to come alongside to observe and correct. Pride only breeds quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice in Proverbs 13.10. A rebuke impresses a man of discernment more than a hundred lashes of a fool in Proverbs 17.10. And Proverbs 13.13 says, He who scorns instruction will pay for it, but he who respects the command is rewarded. So we go through this life and we have people that are under us and we have people that are above us. Maybe it's in a work relationship or in a family relationship. And we go through this life and if we take good instruction, if we listen to those things that are true and right, then there is great reward. Proverbs 9.9, instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. Proverbs 15.32, But he who ignores discipline despises himself, and whoever heeds correction gains understanding. Sometimes we evaluate ourselves. Sometimes we even criticize ourselves. If we have lived in a situation where we've been verbally abused and we're constantly criticized, say as kids, over and over again we hear, you're wrong, you don't measure up, you're not good enough, you could never do this. And you hear that over and over and over again. One of the bad things that can result of that is that you will have an inner critic in your head. So maybe you're an adult now and life is a lot better and simpler and you don't have that oppressive person anymore, but you constantly hear that voice in your head saying, you don't measure up, you're not good enough, you could never do it, and it's being self-critical. And that is also something that you need to get more information on. You need to get help with that. You need to find forgiveness and you need to move forward so often it's accepting the forgiveness we have in the Lord. So criticism is a kindness, an honor, and a blessing if we have the humility to listen to whatever may be true in it. Sometimes criticism comes at us and most of it's not true, but maybe a little piece of it is. And we can be thankful for that little piece and say, well, I don't think I did anything wrong, but I see that somehow I've hurt you, so I'll work on that. But... This is a huge issue that we can't fix in our time, but we will never be able to welcome criticism as a kindness until we understand both God's criticism and His justification of us through Christ's cross. If you read the Bible, and you take it at face value, like in the book of Romans and Galatians, you will see that God criticizes the sin problem in your life. That God sees who you really are and you acknowledge this criticism and you hopefully receive the, receive the solution. And that's that, yes, I am a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner that no matter what I try to do, I can't do good. I can't do good enough. I can't get rid of this sin on my own. But I see that Jesus Christ died upon that cross. He took my sins and He is offering me His righteousness if I would repent of my sin and believe upon Jesus that I would be saved and justified like a judge who proclaims not guilty. We are seen by God through Jesus Christ as justified because Jesus was on that cross. Because of Christ's cross. So in Christ's cross, I affirm God's judgment of me. What are some things that God says about Christ's cross? Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me because He cares. Because 
He knows that living my life on my own, doing my own thing is not going to measure up. It's not going to be good enough. It's not going to be blessable by God. It's not God's total best for me. I don't want to wander around in this world in darkness. I want Jesus Christ in my life. I want to follow Him because He's the light. He's the way. He's the truth. We go through this life. It says, I no longer, the Paul says, can you say that? I'm no longer living for me. I'm living for Jesus. So if you're going to criticize me, I'm going to listen. And Jesus and I, we're going to, we're going to talk about it, think it through, and see what might need to change. Romans 3 makes this really clear then about the condition that we're in. What shall we conclude? Are we in or better? No, not at all. We've already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, it says in Galatians 3.10. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Do you do everything? You should. You should strive. You should try. But if you don't, you realize you don't measure up. And then the Holy Spirit comes along and says, I need to point some things out. A little Holy Spirit criticism. It says, you're not, you're not doing this, but I'm, I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to be patient. We're going to help you get through this, through this besetting sin. We're going to help you get through this thing that you're motivated to do and it leads to sin and sadness. We're going to help. We're going to help. God loves us. Our Heavenly Father loves us. Jesus gave up His life on the cross so we could have His righteousness and we are given the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as a teacher as the perfect life coach. And when we say, well, I understand what God thinks of me, but I also understand that I can be justified through Christ. I mean, James 2.10 says, whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So what hope is there for us? Well, we know the hope is in Jesus Christ. The solution is in Jesus Christ. We have the ultimate sickness and He is the ultimate remedy. To claim to be a Christian is to claim to be someone who has understood criticism. I understood God's criticism of me. I am fallen and sinful and separated from God, but I received Jesus Christ and now I am justified. So I heard the, the criticism. I accepted the solution and together we're in a process. In a process of life change. The Christian is someone who has stood under the greatest criticism, God's criticism, and agreed with it. And on the day I agreed with it, that was the day I was saved. The day I said, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please come into my life and change me and make me the person You created me to be. I don't want to go to hell. I want to walk in the ways I want to follow after You. I want Your plan for my life. Or something like that. In Jesus' name, I agreed with the criticism and I was saved. Number four, in Christ's cross, I affirm God's justification of me. So, I saw the problem and now I have the solution and I live in that. I live in that. You can criticize me all you want and I know I mess up in so many ways, but I know I'm not worthless because I matter to God. I know that no matter how much I mess up, that God still cares for me and loves me and there's still a plan for the future and there's still hope for tomorrow. And as we work through these things, even if I don't get everything perfect at the end of this life, I'm going to stand before God and He's going to look at me and He's going to say, why should I let you into heaven? And I might say, well, I didn't measure up. I didn't do this right and that right, but I did receive Jesus Christ. Your solution for my sins is my Lord and Savior. 
he would look at me and say, because of Jesus, I find you not guilty. Come spend eternity with me. Enter into my presence. Got great plans for you. And then, perfect times, perfect life. Probably won't have to be criticized anymore because I'll have the glorified body and I won't make those mistakes. And I won't be struggling with sin, but I'll be justified. And I affirm of that, that Jesus is in me. So therefore, I can stand up to this criticism. I can, I can sit down with somebody and I can listen to the criticisms and try to figure out, okay, did I do something sinful to deserve this? Is this something that is coming upon me because of me? It could be. I am being criticized because I'm doing exactly what Jesus told me to do. It could be that people are coming against me in anger and hate because I am living my life the way God says to live it. Philippians 3.9 Be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through, faith, is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And as I walk by faith, I can be guaranteed... I can be guaranteed that criticism is coming. I'm going to be misunderstood. Someone's going to label me a religious fanatic. Somebody's going to say, you're a Jesus freak. It's fine with me. So, because I'm used to it by now. But Romans 4.5 says, However, to the man who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. So I listen to criticism. When I read the Bible, actually, I find... God showing me certain things in my life that I need to change. And sometimes in the midst of criticism, it can be a test of my faith. Sometimes criticism comes and I, I, I wonder, you know, how should I respond? There was one big criticism that ended up in the newspaper and I wrote three different responses and decided not to respond. And as a result of that, some really awesome, great things happened. As that one, I didn't respond to the criticism. Somebody else did. It led to a chain of events. It was totally a God thing. But at first, it didn't appear that it was as I was being criticized in the Bell Plain paper. Romans 3.20, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of sin. But now our righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood, and he did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So in Jesus we are justified. We are right in God's sight positionally. We need to work that out practically. And so... As we think about that, then if I'm living my life in Christ and people come alongside, even if I'm misunderstood and I graciously listen to that criticism, good can come out of it. Sometimes people will come against you and they'll criticize you for stuff that's just outlandish. But because you took the time to listen, it can open the dialogue to further discussion and then you can deal with the root of their criticism or problem. And sometimes you even have an opportunity to lead them into a right relationship with Christ. And sometimes your worst enemies can become your best friends. So, the Lord, He cares about us. He made it possible for us to be made right in His sight. And if the whole world criticizes you, you can reply, if God has justified me, who can condemn me? God has... Now you don't, in an argument, say, 
yeah, yeah, well, I know, but God justified me, so get lost. But no, you just know who you are in Christ, and they can't beat you down. I mean, they might make you feel a little bad, but I mean, you're a child of God. You're loved by the God who created everything. He cares about you. And no matter what people say to try to tear you apart, you can know I am totally secure in my relationship with the Lord. All right, the implications for our response to criticism. What are some of the implications? Um, One, we can face any criticism with confidence. We can go through this life and say, all right, Lord, doesn't look good. Let's get this. Let's get this through. Get through this together. And sometimes it's really helpful to have a piece of paper, write a few things down, and then say, "What I hear you saying is that you think I talk too fast, so you don't understand everything I say." I can probably work on that. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. I don't know if I can change that because that's just the way I'm wired. But on the other hand, I appreciate you. Appreciate you letting me know. Sometimes criticism are a lot worse than that, but um, it is an idea of how you can face a controversy. We don't have time to read this passage, but in 2 Samuel 16, King David is being basically yelled at by this guy. This guy, is, uh, this guy Shimei, is uh, yelling at him, cursing at him, saying, get out, get out, you man of blood, you scoundrel. And I mean, they could have wiped him out right there. David's men could have said, don't criticize the king, you die. But... David said, no, leave him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to you. It may be that the Lord will see my distress and repay me with good for the cursing I am receiving today. That's a pretty good attitude to have, isn't it? To say, you know, God's really in control of everything, and maybe he wants to see how I'm going to respond to this. Maybe something good is going to come out of this. So we can respond to criticism with a spirit of thanksgiving. Psalm 141.5, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. Yet my prayer is ever against the deeds of evildoers. Don't you want to have somebody come alongside of you and to know you and to be able to say, I really care about you. I think we're pretty good friends. And I've noticed that there's this thing that you do. And it, it pushes other people away. And it, it just... It hurts your relationships with them, and I don't even think that you know you do it. Can I share with you what that is? And then you share with them, and then you give them some ideas of what they might be able to do to fix it. As you care and love. You know, when we do church discipline in the church, our whole goal and desire is to restore people into a right relationship with God, not to, not to be mean to them. And we can respond with humility and a willingness to learn. And hopefully people will do that with us when we, when we offer suggestions, when we offer things that need to be changed and things that could be done and to give people hope to say, because you're saved in Christ, God loves you and cares about you. And you're going to move forward in in this confidence and assurance and now you're going to work on these things and you're going to become better at fulfilling God's plan for your life and you're going to become better at doing these things. And to say, yeah, I bet that was hard for you to share that criticism with me. And tell you the truth, I didn't even want to hear it. But I see how there's some truth in it. So I'm going to work on that. Would you hold me accountable? If you see me do that again, would you give me that little signal thing? I think there was an episode of Cheers years ago where Cliff had a problem. And every time he 
do it. I think it was bragging or something. They zap them with a remote zapper. I'm not asking for that, but it'd probably be helpful. We can respond with the spirit of surrender. We can say, all right, my life is in the Lord, and I'm going to trust. So who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. He is Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he's also interceding for us. So when we take those criticisms, we take it to the Lord. We say, Lord, did you hear what he said? He's wrong, isn't he? I hope he's wrong. He's not? Uh-oh. All right, I'll work on that. And we can respond with the spirit of submission. Hebrews 12, 5-6 says, You've forgotten that the word of encouragement, you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My sons, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when He rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those He loves and He punishes everyone He accepts as a son. Yeah, because if you over-discipline your kids and you're constantly unpleasable, then kids don't want to come around. But if it's a discipline that's good for everybody and it teaches self-control, it teaches things of life skills, then it's good for everyone. And it's all out of love. Sometimes punishment is out of love. So what do we do with this? I mean, the Peacemaker book has a lot to say about this. Some of the stuff you'll hear at the Bible study on Monday or Tuesday is, is good too. But how can I best give accurate, fair, and balanced criticism with much mercy and affirmation? What can we do about that? I mean, a single rebuke does more for a person of understanding than a hundred lashes in the back of a fool. What are some practical steps that we can take? When we can critique ourselves. So, we can ask ourselves, how do we respond to criticism? If somebody criticizes, do I react correctly? Do I pout? Do I try to play down my error and shift the blame? Do I seek to defend myself? Bring up all the good things that I do? To prove that I'm better than the other? Or do I go on the attack and point out all the other person's sin or error? Do I resent or harbor anger against the person who criticizes me? How well do I take advice? How often do I seek advice? Are people able to approach me to correct me? Can my spouse, parents, children, siblings, or friends correct me? Am I a teachable person? So critique yourself. To ask the Lord to give you the desire to be wise instead of foolish. And we talked about many of those principles in Proverbs, but it's wise to listen to criticism, counsel, correction. And we can remember who we are in Christ. We can challenge ourselves with two questions. If I continually kick under the criticism of people, how can I say I know and agree with the criticism of the cross? And two, if I typically try to justify myself, how can I say I know, appreciate, and cling to God's justification of me through Christ? We can learn to speak nourishing words to others. I mean, that's what we want. We want people to be full of grace and care as they speak to us and try to guide and direct us. We want them to do it carefully and lovingly and affirming that whole kind of, I really care about you so much that I want you to know instead of, hey, dumb. I don't like you anymore because you offended me one time. No, nobody wants to hear that. They want to hear, I care about you so much and I, I think you realize that you really blew. You really blew that one yesterday. You made a big mistake, I, I think. You realize that. Mm-hmm, yes, I did. Well, I have some ideas of what you can do to make it right. 
Okay, what are they? I'll even go with you to that person as you ask for forgiveness. Will you really? Okay. And together, together, you move forward. People are going to criticize you all the time. And the more you do things for God, and the more you get excited for serving the Lord, the more you're going to step out in faith, and the more challenges you're going to face. There's a spiritual battle, and there's more people that are going to come against you and criticize you. And it's going to be difficult, but you can say, that's not true. That's foolish. When I first came to this town, I was known as the cult leader. Well, if you look up the definition of a cult, I don't fit it. So I'm not a cult leader. But to have people around saying, oh, that church is a cult, and the junior high kids at school were hearing, oh, my mom says your church is a cult. And to have somebody in another town, some other religious leader say, stay away from that guy because he's dangerous. And to have a little girl in my neighborhood look at me and go, I don't believe in you. It's like, come on, I don't know what you're hearing, but I'm quite sure that the criticisms against me are untrue. So, anyway, ask yourself, do people feel comfortable offering me correction or do I have a habit of responding with defensiveness and self-justification? If you aren't sure the answer, ask someone who cares about you. And if you know you're a defensive person and you see trouble coming, have a friend with you to keep you in line, to nudge you. Sometimes the wives are good at kicking people under the table so or shaking their heads no. So, Anyway, we need to learn to listen to criticism. Let's pray. The worship team is going to come forward. But Lord, I know I'm imperfect in so many ways, but yet You can still use me. Lord, I know that there are things in my life that I could change to be better, and some of them I work on and some of them I don't. But Lord, I pray that You would show me what it is that I really need to do to be more effective in serving You and accomplishing Your will and showing other people Your love that they too could experience justification through the cross. Lord, I know that I'm not always good at being thoughtful before I criticize people. And Lord, I pray You'd help me to control my time and to treat others as I'd want to be treated. And we just thank You for the advice and the principles and the statutes and the laws and Your Word for us to follow. They are so valuable. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.